also welcome those who are worshiping with us on LifeGate Outreach TV and listening to the audio podcasts. Uh, we are grateful that you have been joining us for the past few years. Our messages have been on YouTube or LiveGate Outreach TV since the year 2015, consistently every Sunday. And uh, we have been on um, podcasts for about two years now. And uh, we are grateful to God for this. And again, I would like to thank God for those who have been working tirelessly to put the messages together. And uh, may God continue to bless you as you send us your testimonies also in Jesus' name. We are also on social media, other forms of social media. We are on Facebook as LiveGate Outreach Center. Please uh, come and follow our pages. You will be able to see some aspects of our worship. Uh, and uh, also, you can also listen to snippets of the messages that are shared from time to time. We are also on Instagram as LiveGate Outreach Center, all one word. And uh, we are thanking God for what he's been doing with us. These are many platforms that God has given us the privilege to reach you where you are. And we thank you for sending those messages, those testimonies from everywhere that you listen. And we pray that or watch. And we pray that God will continue to strengthen you also in Jesus' name. So let us get into the message for today by the grace of God. We have been, again, this is one thing that I want to thank God for. We started having banners, I think, in March, if I get my dates correctly. March 2015, every Sunday. God laid it on my heart. I was some, some country, can't remember where now, somewhere in, in Europe, maybe Portugal or something like that. I was out there on a conference and God said to me, every Sunday, give a picture of what the message will be. And if there are a series, put them together on one and follow that. That, that picture will remind you and remind everyone who listens to the message what the theme was. I had never seen it done. I see people do it from time to time. But to have it consistently every Sunday, I'd never seen it done. And we've started since that Sunday, and by the grace of God, we've never stopped. If you look, I didn't, I didn't explain this very much last week, but if you look at this flower, it's an image that is used very much a lot to show persistence, consistent, to show things that look like impossibilities. This plant is growing on concrete. It's almost Im unimaginable. But I am using it to emphasize the, the point of purpose. Being able to purposefully follow your passion, going through grounds that could be difficult, doing things that would naturally not have been easy. So when we're talking about living in purposeful creativity, God gave me these eight and these nine uh, sections that we should look at. And he said the first thing we should do is to have a vision, to be a people of vision. So we examined this last week. And every week we'll be highlighting in yellow what we are looking at. This week we are looking at looking at the creative lifestyle of discipline. The creative lifestyle of discipline. Hallelujah. And uh, by the grace of God, what this means is that when we looked at vision, we said that it is important. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. But vision in itself cannot be accomplished. No true vision can ever be accomplished without discipline. The bigger the potential of the impact of your vision, the bigger you will, the, the more you will have to be a disciplined person to achieve it. Go through the entire Bible and even the, uh, our contemporary times. Anyone who is making impact and serious impact to humanity is a person of discipline of some sort. In the year 2003, when David Beckham was at the peak of his football playing career, and he was so good at spot kicks, one interview I managed to catch, 
was, when he was speaking about, they said, how do you rehearse? He said, every day by 5 a.m., I'm with my coach practicing sport kicks, and I kick 500 every day. Not five, not 50. 500 every day. No wonder when he got on the pitch, one out of every three he kicked went in the net that time. Because it's discipline to get up 5 a.m. Now, some people just see the glory. They see the glory and bend it like Beckham and say all those kind of things. But he didn't just bend it without intense discipline to commit to what was on his life at that time. We must realize that this is what God is expecting from us. Discipline in the, in the dictionary is defined as a particular action or inaction that is regulated to be in accordance with a particular system of governance. I like that, trans, uh, that uh, definition. It is a particular action. It could be an action or inaction because at times discipline means you do something. At times discipline means you refuse to do something. So it could be an action or inaction, but it's, you are regulating it so that it's in accordance with some kind of regulation or system of government. This system of government could be natural or it could be something much more for us as Christians in the confines of the word of God. It takes discipline. Brother Miles Monroe, Dr. Miles Monroe of Blessed Memory said, discipline is self-imposed standards. I like that. Self-imposed standards for the sake of the higher goal. Self-imposed standards for the sake of the higher goal. You must be a person of vision who sees the higher goal, who sees the next thing to achieve before you are able to have these self-imposed standards. There are certain things and certain places I will not go and I will not do because of this assignment. Not because it, they really mean anything, but for the sake of the assignment, for the sake of the calling, I will have to discipline myself to sleep in certain ways, to wake up in certain times, to pray at certain times. The Bible says, and Jesus was always going out in the early hours of the day to pray, discipline. In Acts chapter 3, it says concerning Peter and John, they were going to the temple at the regular hour of prayer, discipline. We have a generation that wants to achieve much, but is toying with discipline. We want to do it the way we like, anyhow, when convenient, as convenient, as we like, as we don't like, and yet expect to see excellent results. There can be no excellence without discipline. It's impossible. Everything starts with discipline, starting with leadership. Like great John Maxwell will say, everything rises and falls on, on leadership. Everything. But you and I must understand that for leaders to be leaders, there must be people who know how to self-discipline, self-impose standards, who know how to say, this is what I will do and this is what I will not do and commit to it. Who know how to say, I am fasting today and no matter what it is, they are fasting. This is what it means. We must be a people of discipline. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18. The people perish and or they cast off restraint, but happy is his. We don't usually quote the second part. He said, happy is he who keeps the law. That is to say, happy is the one who remains disciplined. Happy is the one who remains committed to making sure that the vision comes to pass. Do you know that it is frustration when you know that you should achieve something and then you are not able to achieve it? You know you can achieve it. You know you should achieve it. But when you are not achieving it, you know, do you know it's frustration? 
But many times that gap of frustration can be overcome by discipline, by committing to regular study. If you are a student here, you know we pray for divine intervention and things. I, I believe in those things. But if you are a student here and you don't understand your pattern of learning and your ability to absorb, I know as a person that I am not a person that reads something first time. I can read many things quickly and grasp things quickly. But that is not sufficient for me as a person for exams. I have friends who just skim over things and they somehow they can go and write exams like that. I can't. I can talk it because as a consultant, I have to be able to read and absorb quickly. So I can read and absorb quickly and talk the language for the sake of just having a lingo to talk about it. But if it comes to having to write it down in an exam and make a positive contribution, I have to sit down and read. That is my style. So I learned it in time that I have to discipline myself. I read my Bible that way. I read my professional books that way. I read things and materials that way. And at times... You need to just understand these things so that if you want to achieve what God is expecting you to achieve, listen to me. I function in three very key areas of life that at times, each one, each one, not that at times, each one needs you to be sound every time. In ministry, education, and engineering. And I could be switching brain within one hour. I could be in the three worlds. Within one hour, I could be on the phone now talking serious engineering matters, talking about things that are very scientific and deep with people on the other line. And the next minute, I could be talking about educational things, designing courses and talking about pedagogy and those things that are in the educational world that are strictly educational no more. And then the third thing, I'm talking ministry, talking Bible, talking theology. Now, how do you continue to keep your brain fresh to be able to talk like that if you don't develop a disciplined lifestyle to commit to keep yourself abreast, keep yourself abreast, keep yourself in the place. And on top of all that, you have family commitments. We must understand the importance of discipline, especially those of us who believe that God is calling us into higher things. And I believe that's everybody. Godly discipline is not the same as punishment. Punishment in itself does not bring discipline unless the punishment is designed in such a way to bring discipline. When we were young, our parents had a way of smacking us. I can say that now because that was many years ago. So don't go and smack your children. I'm not saying you should smack your children. So don't say pastor say we should be smacking. But in our days, we were smacked. If you did things wrong, we were smacked. But you know how they used to smack us? They didn't just smack us. When the mom got out the cane or the dad got out the cane, you will hear, I have told you not to be doing this. As they are smacking you, they are telling you what not to be doing. <laughs> so you'll be hearing it as, you are, as the thing is hitting your skin, you are hearing the rebuke. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when you leave the room and you, you, you are feeling all the pain on your body, you'll be hearing those words again. So next time when they tell you don't go and steal plantain, you will remember my plantain story. Don't go and steal plantain, you will not go there. <laughs> So that is discipline, but it was to bring a change. So every time the devil comes on you and he says, go and take plantain, as you are moving close to the place, <laughs> you remember the smacks and those words. I say, I have warned you, don't go to the plantain. <laughs> Hallelujah. So discipline itself, is a punishment itself is not discipline, but when it is done in order to bring about a change, then it can be regarded as discipline. Two ways. That God disciplines us. There is, like I said, self-discipline. 
This is one that everyone who wants to attain to anything in this life must develop. Somebody say self-discipline. This is the greatest attribute that you can have for yourself in order to achieve anything God is calling you to achieve. You must be self-disciplined. You must know how to do what God is calling you to do with or without the encouragement or not or the others. The more self-discipline you have, the more you have a potential to achieve in this life. Amen. Amen. It is internal and it has to be done intentionally. This is what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 24. Let's read that. Everybody, let's go. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Verse 26. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Let's shout verse 27 very well together. But I... Let's take it again. But I... One more time. But I... And do what? Bring it into subjection. Least when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Tell your neighbor for me, it is your responsibility to discipline yourself. He said, I discipline my body. I put it under subjection. Because you see, if you leave this body, it will run wild. If you leave this mind, it will think about things that will beat your imagination. So you discipline your mind. When your mind is going into thinking about evil. Men, you know, when there is no man, unless you want to be a liar, there is no man that sees a beautiful woman that his attention is not caught. Because God put it there. If not, we will not be married. If we don't see them as beautiful, you will never marry. So God put it there for you to appreciate the woman folk. Now the truth is this. When you see a beautiful woman... And you look at her, there's nothing wrong with it. It takes discipline. When you hear that whisper that says, look again, she's very beautiful. <laughs> it takes discipline to say, I refuse to look. I have looked, I have appreciated God for her, let her be. It takes discipline. It takes discipline. Paul said, I put my body under, I bring it into subjection. I subject it to the laws of God. I subject it to the right principles so that... I cannot stand and be preaching to others and helping them to live right and yet I am myself become disqualified. Leadership must understand that self-discipline, and when I say leadership, as a parent, as children, as, as, as husbands and wives, people raising children, we must realize that this is a, a non-negotiable aspect of our lives. Then there is the discipline that is brought upon us by others. Mostly God himself or the people that God permits. This is external. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 7. He said, if you, are, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? We read this. Those of you listening to the audio or who are watching on LiveGate Outreach TV. We read Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 3 right down to verse 12 as our Bible reading. You can read that separately. 
He said, now, go straight to verse 11. He said, now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. When God is trying to chasten the person and trying to keep them in the straight path of, in the path of the straight and narrow, it is never an easy thing. Discipline is when you, when God, when, when you are about to reply an email that has come to you and has insulted everything that you stand to represent. And you are about to hit the keyboard to start replying. And then the Holy Spirit says to you, ignore it. Don't write anything. It takes discipline for your hand to come off that keyboard. Because the natural man wants to hit hard. All the grammar you have stored for 30 years, you bring it into play and release your missiles. <laughs> and you want to reply, but then the Holy Spirit says, no, ignore Ignore. Remember, my son. And he will show you things. He said they, they insulted him. They spat on him. They called him names. But he never replied them once. And then you discipline yourself. Now, the Holy Spirit has done his bit. He's come to tell you what God expects of you. It now takes discipline for you to say, I will not reply. That is bringing the flesh under. That is subjecting it. The flesh will say, write it now and write it hard. Write it quick. Let them know. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the Holy Spirit will say, you don't need that. Now, of course, he will tell you to reply. But even the reply, he will give you words. You are typing, and then you say, no, take that one out. <laughs> and you are typing more, and you say, no, take that one out. Just, just reply. Don't need to insult. Let vengeance that is God's be God's. It takes discipline. We must understand there are self-imposed rules for the sake of the higher good. There is something bigger than you. That God wants you to get into. It will take discipline to get there. It will take discipline. You have to be disciplined with yourself. Disciplined with your spouse. Disciplined with your children. You need to learn how to understand the place of being. Many of us came from backgrounds where the parents are always right. You know what I mean. Whatever dad says is, 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 is right. But that's not right. When you know that you should apologize to your sons or your daughters because you misunderstood what they said, no matter their age, find the appropriate time and say, son, I'm sorry. I did not understand. Or daughter, I'm sorry. It takes discipline because you, many of us did not come from that background. We came from background where when father says, yes, that's it. Even if he was wrong, you have to find a way to correct yourself. <laughs> Rightly or wrongly, but we need to learn that there are aspects of discipline we must embrace. I want us to quickly look at three areas as I bring this, start to look at the, bringing this to a close because I want us to touch on these three things. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, and we're going to take time over the week by God's grace to look more into these things, but I have to just do my best to lay the foundation today. Verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, what are they? Read it with me. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of what? Is not of the Father, but is of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are areas of life that we need to define properly so that we understand them and we are disciplined in those contexts. The first one, the lust of the flesh. This refers to everything that the flesh likes to do, like eating, 
Now, those things are not bad, but when, they are, when we overindulge in them, they become what the Bible calls a weight. Remember Hebrews 12 says, let us lay aside every sin. We all know what sins are, but many times we don't know what a weight is. But whichever one, whether it's a sin or a weight, the Bible says they easily beset us. They easily detract us from achieving the higher goals that God is calling us to achieve. So these things are usually much more, let's take care of the children. These things are usually much more about the weights. Not necessarily sins, but our weights. Eating too much. Sexual impurity. Eating too much is gluttony. Sexual impurity. Laziness. Too much sleep. If you leave this body, all it wants to do is to sleep and holiday and sleep and eat and holiday and sleep and eat. And it doesn't like work. It doesn't like work at all. You have to discipline it and say it's time for work. <laughs> it wants to watch movies nine hours a day with ice cream and every. That's what it likes to do. If you leave your body, it will run you amok. <laughs> because it likes to enjoy we need to understand the lust of the flesh. If you are uncontrolled, that's why you see men and women who jump from partner to partner to partner to partner. They are afraid to commit to marriage because of this same thing. They say, if I commit to marriage, you mean this one person for 50 years, 60 years, how can it be? <laughs> so they, they, they want the freedom, in quote, to be anywhere with anyone as they like because it is a lust of the flesh. The Bible says they are in this world, but those things are not of the Father. We have to deal with them. Romans 13, 14. He said, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Romans 13, 14. Make no provision. Discipline yourself. Don't let the flesh take over. If you eat too much, you can never be able to fast. You can't. If you don't have control over eating. You can, you must be able to say it's time to eat, it's time not to eat. It's time to drink, it's time not to drink. But you wake up in the morning before 6.30, something has gone in. Come on. You need to learn how to say, no, these are the times I will eat, these are the times I will not eat. In this church, we fast every Mondays. We don't emphasize it as much because we expect you to know it's a fasting day. But you know, it helps you. I take that time to reflect a lot. Reflect about the coming months, the coming years, and all the things happening around us. And you need to know that it takes discipline for you to do these things. Too much sleep has robbed many people. The Bible says a little sleep, a little slumber, so shall poverty come. It's not a curse, it's the Bible. <laughs> Too much sleep. Adults who sleep as if it is a competition. Sleep, sleep. Sleep as if you are competing and they say there's gold price for when you can do 12 hours a day. What are you doing with 12 hours sleep a day? Even biology uh, medical people tell us that when you get 8 hours maximum, you have, you have done well. Even with 8 hours, if you have lived for 90 years, that means you have slept for 30 years. Is it not one third? It's, it's true. Imagine sleeping for 30 years. <laughs> it doesn't show, but that is what it is. So you discipline your body. You get up when you want to get up. My wife has never, in almost 25 years, she has never had to tap me and say, honey, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's time, honey, honey. No. When we say it's time to work, she taps me one, if at all. I'm not the one that woke up first. Tap me once, I'm up like a spring. Pam, it's time to pray. 
Discipline. It's not a gift. It's not a spiritual gift. <laughs> it's not a spiritual gift. Don't say, ah, Pastor David, it's a spiritual gift. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. Did he say there's a gift of not sleeping deep? <laughs> In fact, he said he gives his, the gift is that he gives us sweet sleep. That is the gift. But you have to discipline yourself because without it, you can't do much. This is how I'm able to work. I work very hard, and I'm not boasting here. I have to be able to say this. Many people ask me, say, ah, but Pastor, how do you do it? You do this, you do that, you do this. It takes discipline. It takes discipline. I will say between 12 and 2 a.m., I need to finish this report. And unless something changes, I sit down, I write it, and I make sure it's out of the way. 4 a.m., I'm up. My alarms, if I show you my phone, my alarms are set Monday to Friday. That's why you see me in Zoom every morning. 5 a.m., you will hear my voice unless something unusual happened in the house and I'm trying to fix it. But the thing would have been on by the grace of... I'm not boasting. I'm telling you what it takes. You've got to be disciplined. Imagine when we started this thing early 2018, praying in the morning. Imagine you got there one morning and they said 5 a.m. Oh, pastor is not yet there. Let's, let's wait. At times, he comes on at about 5.10. <laughs> then you try again at 5.10. He says, ah, he's there now. Let us start. And then, do you think the thing would have still been running? It would have gone because people would give up that they don't know when it's there and when it's not there. I have some friends from some parts of the world. I won't tell you where they are. If they run shops, you can't guarantee the opening times. You can get there today, 9 a.m., they are closed. You get there tomorrow, 2 p.m., they are closed. And they are wondering why their businesses don't grow. <laughs> they are wondering why their businesses don't grow. If you are from any nation of the world, and I'm saying this without any sentiments, I've written it on social media many times, and you live in this country, and you are not disciplined with time, there's no hope for you. No hope for you. This is a country that is structured on time. I am so impressed when I go for functions, and the, the way and manner things are delivered to time, I am always impressed, highly impressed. We need to use the opportunity of everything around us to learn the discipline and apply to it. The lust of the flesh, we have to overcome. Don't be lazy. Tell your neighbor for me, don't be lazy. Walk. Say, walk when you need to walk. Rest when you need to rest. Don't get me wrong. I rest a lot. I, I go to places. I travel with family. My wife and I, I you, I'm clever about how we get time together despite these things I'm telling you. When I'm going for conferences, I take her along. We do things. We are always living in each other's lives, despite all that busyness. She's a very busy person herself. She works 12-hour shifts. But with sense and wisdom, you can have things. Many pastors and wives are crashing their marriages because of church work. God did not send us to lose our marriages. If you are seeing me on TV, God did not send you to lose your children. You sense. You sense. You sense. Yes, you. You sense. <laughs> says like yesterday we drove to Liverpool we just decided let's 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 spin the new car that uh, God blessed my wife with and uh, I said you know you know what we do we say we buy it for them and then we are the first one to be testing it <laughs> and so I you know I said no oh, this is a very nice ride and we were just going and she said to me you know we're taking out of your ministry time now normally Saturdays are very very sacred for you and all that I said I had already planned for that so if I know we're going out on Saturday, everything I should normally do on Saturday, I do before. Simple sense. Some people will say they can't do that. So family cannot see them. They are like monsters on Saturday because I'm pastor. <laughs> daddy, the, 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 the two-year-old, daddy, daddy said, leave me, I'm preparing for Sunday service. <laughs> 
And the small child starts to think that this Sunday service must be a monster that takes me, takes daddy away from me. No, God did not send us that kind of work. Now, I didn't sleep much because I came back and then most of the time I'm up at night. Most of the time I'm up in the night on Saturday. After service like this, and you don't, you don't ask me what happens. <laughs> but before that time, what am I trying to say? It takes discipline, structure your life. Galatians 5.16, I'll quickly give you these verses and then we'll take communion. Galatians 5.16 says, I say there, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit, be spiritual. What does that mean? Pray. Pray in the spirit. We pray in the spirit a lot. Not because we don't have what to pray, but because when you pray in the spirit, God gives you ideas. God gives you inspiration. God gives you things because you are not praying in your own understanding, but if you are listening, you hear him speak to you. And then he'll be telling you this thing you need to do, this is what you need to do. That application you need to write. Go and get this reference. Call this person. Ask this thing. And then things go quicker and faster for you. Walk in the spirit. Second thing is the lust of the eyes. I must talk about this. This talks about covetousness, greed, what the Bible, what, what the English word calls avarice. Where, where, where people cannot just see things and, 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 and not desire it. Covetousness. Matthew 6.22 says the lamp of the body is the eye. The lamp of the body is the eye. Let your eye be single. He said if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. One translation says if your eye be single, keep focus. You must not have everything you see. We live in an age where people can buy things easily, especially in the Western world, because you have a credit card that has 5,000 pounds as credit limit. So you just say, swipe it. <laughs> you just say, swipe it. This <laughs> is swipe it. <laughs> Why are you swiping? Do you need what you are swiping? <laughs> but when you see it in the shop, you say, honey, it's 50% off. Even if it is 90% off, if you don't need it, don't buy it. You say, let us buy it because it's, it's cheap now. And you know you don't need it for 10 years. <laughs> so wait. When you, by the time you need the thing, a newer version would have come out. Do you know that? Then you buy it and you have capacity. Then don't get into debt for things unnecessarily. When I was uh, much younger, in, in, in 1997, I was working for a firm. And we were given brand new cars. Peugeot 406. <laughs> Some of you don't even know that that kind of car ever existed. <laughs> But these were brand new sent from France to the country, to Nigeria, where I was working at that time. There were only two of it, my own and my boss. We were living in a town of about 500,000, 400,000 people. So we were so popular. And I was 27, 28. I mean, very young. So I would stay like that. I enjoyed people looking at me driving that car. <laughs> and every eye would be turning and spinning. Wow, this young guy. They say, yeah, that's, that's the implant engineer. That was what they used to call me in that town. And, you know, today I look around, that car does not, hardly does it exist anymore. Hardly will you see a 406 anywhere. But as at that time, that was the cool thing. Five years later, I bought a brand new Toyota Avensis. Ooh, somebody say Avensis. <laughs> Even all those ones now, they are, they are removing them from the streets. <laughs> that was, because this was 15 years ago, 2003. When I drove to campus, I felt cool in my Avensis. <laughs> Today we don't use those. What we are using today, give it another five years. It's gone. You need to know how to discipline yourself. And many men have put themselves in trouble because of these things. And women, women, women. You don't have to buy every latest fashion and every bag that matches it. We don't see it many times, if it is for us. 
you are the one that used to show us that don't, don't you see that they match? They always say, it's true, they match. <laughs> don't put yourself in any trouble. Don't get me wrong, live life. You know, I would always encourage you to enjoy whatever God has given you, but don't get yourself into any trouble because you want to prove a point. You don't need to prove a point to anybody. You don't need to prove a point. I used to have a car that when I go inside, I have to pray to reach where I'm going. <laughs> you too, sir. This is the reality. You get in and you are praying in tongues. Even with all that, the silencer will still drop. <laughs> the silencer will still drop. And you move next to, you almost went around with mechanics numbers from town to town. Because this was in Nigeria where there is nothing like, hey, God help you. <laughs> so in each town, we had mechanics that we, we knew. Because even then, there were no mobile numbers. So we had mechanics along the way. So as we are going, you are using your sense. This car may stop any time from now. You say, Lord, just help me another 10 kilometers. <laughs> as you get there, the thing, you just use time with steering. <laughs> you come to the side of the road and stay. And then when a car is coming, you say, please, when you get to that town, call Amusa. <laughs> Tell Amusa to come back. They will say, does he know you? Say, just tell him, Amusa, he knows. Amusa will come on his motorbike and help you to move forward. That was the stage of, and we were enjoying it. I carried my wife in that car. She was my fiancé then. So don't envy her if you see her riding something that looks like a plane today. Don't, don't, don't envy her. She has suffered with me. <laughs> she has suffered with me. We didn't just get to this stage overnight. This is almost 25 years of the journey. Take your time. Just grow. Grow. Enjoy life. Hallelujah. Today, when I slap cruise control and the thing is going by itself, I say, Is it you, David? Look. <laughs> now your car is just going by itself like this on motorway. God has helped you. And God will help you. In the name of Jesus. Just maintain focus. The Bible says those that desire to be rich will fall into temptation. 1 Timothy 6 9. They will fall into different temptations they don't need. Gain mastery on focus on time and money. The last one says pride of life. This is about always feeling too, too big, high-mindedness. Proverbs 16, 18 says pride goes before a destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You will not be proud. Amen. I say you will not be proud. Amen. There is no need trying to be what we are not. We discipline ourselves to enjoy every moment. For your marriage to be what you want it to be, you discipline yourself to love your husband, to love your wife, to submit to your own husband. You discipline yourself. It doesn't jump on anybody. Many people have heard many times they say, but pastor, you don't understand. My spouse is a big problem. I say, no, everybody's spouse is the problem they make them. You godly wisdom, you find that they are not a problem at all. Let us continue to understand these things. I want to challenge you as a church, people of God, that the grace for, for discipline will come upon you afresh. You will be disciplined with your resources. You will be disciplined with your time. You will be disciplined with your life assignments in the name of Jesus. Whatever God is calling you, some of you are in some professions. Every profession now you have to read. You have to read. Don't stay. Go for professional development courses. 
In the evening, don't watch, sit down, watch East Ender and Back Ender and Coronation Street. They are doing just three streets down the line. The people in your profession are meeting, talking about the latest things. Go there and sit down there. Go there and sit down there and learn professional things. Learn, study. Because younger people are coming. You see, all these 21, 22 year olds, they, don't, they, they are very impatient. They're very impatient. They want to take your seat. <laughs> they want to take your seat. But God will keep giving you your own place. In the name of Jesus. How do you make sure that you stay relevant? You keep stepping up. Where we buy our cars here in Warsaw at Mercedes, the lady there, she's very old, very experienced. She's about to retire. They kept her because of her intellectual knowledge. But you know, a lot of the stuff she doesn't do anymore. All these young, young boys that their trouser is like that and their suit is here. <laughs> They are the ones now that come and approve everything. Approve everything because they are quick. They are quick. They can sell and do things quickly and talk to you, convince you to buy every kind of insurance you did not want to buy before. <laughs> so, but they kept the lady because she's, she's about to retire, but she's very good at what she does. Young people are desperate and they should be. So we must understand that whatever stage we have, we have to be disciplined to keep learning, to keep applying ourselves so that we don't fall behind. You will not fall behind. In the name of Jesus. Let's rise to our feet and thank God.